Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun, sermonaudio.com. My name is Bob, and this is the North Korea audio weblog. If you'll check out my site, you'll find there's quite a few of these. Uh, I think it's into the hundreds of 15-minute uh, podcasts about North Korea. Uh, the last time we were talking about North Korea, we we were reading from the Voice of the Martyrs newsletter, the March 2017 newsletter. I have received permission from Voice of the Martyrs to share this information with you, and I'm glad that they allowed that. I will tell you later on how you can get in touch with Voice of the Martyrs, as I've done with other organizations with you, so that you can be involved. I do hope you want to be involved in blessing North Korea, your brothers and sisters. A couple articles from the magazine to wrap up this uh, segment. First one's called Trafficked, Earthly Captivity to Eternal Calling. Jong-su, and whenever we give a Korean name, <clears throat> two things are true. I probably pronounce it wrongly, and... <laughs> It's not the real name anyway, so we're not worried about it. But we'll call this person Jung Sug. Grew, uh, true stories, okay, just, just change names. Grew increasingly nervous as she sped away from the North Korean border in a smuggler's vehicle. She had crossed the Yalu River into China the previous night after her boyfriend had threatened to report her illegal trading business because she had rejected his marriage proposal. If convicted of illegal trading in North Korea, she faced the possibility of 15 years to life in a concentration camp. Although Jong-Soo also had a legitimate job, the devastating famine that had begun in 1993, as well as her country's poor economic policies meant that she had to earn additional money illegally, or starve. Leave the country for two years, her mother insisted, hoping Jung-soo could return after her boyfriend got over his anger. Taking her mother's advice, Jung-soo turned to the only person she knew who could help her, a next-door neighbor who was in the smuggling business. The neighbor assured her that she could arrange to smuggle her into China, and that Jung-soo could live near the North Korean border so she could occasionally see her mother. In addition to leaving her family behind, Jung-soo was sacrificing the honor of singing for Kim Jong-il twice a year in Pyongyang. Her success in local and regional singing contests at age six had won her the opportunity to sing for the great leader Kim Il-sung later for his son, Kim Jong-il, uh, well into her adult years. After crossing safely into China, Jung-soo's neighbor snapped a photo of her. Why'd you take my photo, she asked. Um, I will send it to your mother so she won't worry about you, her neighbor replied. And satisfied with the answer, Jung-soo fell asleep that night in the house where they had stopped near the border. The next morning, the smuggler's plans had changed. She told Jong-soo that Chinese police were in the area and they had to act fast. As Jong-soo and several others sped away from the border with the smugglers, 
she began to grow anxious. This is not what we agreed to, she protested, but their threatening reply caused even more anxiety. If you don't be quiet, they said, we'll sell you to a brothel. Six hours later, Jong-Soo was dropped off in front of a small mud hut that belonged to a Chinese man. Her stomach sank as she realized that she had been sold as a wife to this man and that she might never see her mother again. The sudden change in circumstances was more than she could handle. She didn't speak Mandarin and the man didn't speak Korean. She also knew that her chances of escape were very slim. As a North Korean in China, without an ID card, she couldn't travel by train or bus, couldn't read the signs or ask for help. Few trafficked women ever escape back to North Korea. Chinese citizens are encouraged to report illegal North Koreans, and those caught are deported and imprisoned. Jung Su decided that her only hope was to learn Mandarin and get to know her husband. Then, she thought, he might have compassion for her and be persuaded to let her return home. But that plan dissolved months later, when she learned that she was pregnant. Even if her husband allowed her to leave, she couldn't imagine raising a child alone. Shortly after uh, arriving in China, Jung-Soo met other North Korean women who, like herself, had been sold as wives. One of them introduced her to a South Korean woman who gave her a Bible and began sharing the gospel with her. The words she read in the books of Matthew and Romans touched her heart and she placed her faith in Christ. It was the first time she had ever felt freedom in her heart. Full of joy from her newfound Christian faith, Jung-Soo immediately began telling other trafficked women from North Korea about Jesus. Her Chinese husband noticed great changes in her behavior. She stopped yelling at him, and Jung-Soo, in turn, noticed how much joy their daughter had brought to her husband and his parents. Soon her husband also placed his faith in Christ. Jung-Soo and her husband began working together to share the gospel with trafficked North Korean women and their Chinese husbands. While she taught the women, he assured their husbands that Jung-Soo was not encouraging their wives to leave them. He explained that their wives should listen to Jung-Soo because following Christ means respecting parents bringing unity to the family, and loving each other. Many of the women and their husbands have come to Christ through their faithful witness. While Jiangsu was happy that she had found her eternal purpose, she still missed her mother. Knowing that brokers will do almost anything for money, she found one who was able to locate her mother and in time connect them by telephone. When she spoke with her mother, she was shocked to learn that she, too, had become a Christian. God helped us find our daughter, her mother shouted joyfully when they spoke on the phone. Don't talk so loud, Jung-Soo replied. You'll get into trouble. But her mother wasn't worried. God responded to my prayer, she said. 
Now I can die at this moment. Soon after the phone call, Zhang Su's mother was exiled to the countryside. Authorities were punishing the family because they realized Zhang Su had fled the country. But Zhang Su was able to find her mother again. And her mother discovered that 30 other Christians live in her new village and worship in the nearby mountains. They pretend to get vegetables from the mountain and they, they all meet together, a VOM worker explained, VOM voice of the martyrs. When Zhang Su learned that her mother had only one page of a Bible, she arranged for a broker to smuggle her a complete Bible. Today, Zhang Su uses her ringing and singing voice to glorify the Lord instead of the great leader. She rewrote the songs that she had sung to Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il to reflect a Christian message, and she performs them on VOM-supported shortwave radio broadcasts that reach into North Korea. So the next time you think about your mother or spouse, remember to pray for Jong-soo and her ministry to trafficked North Korean women in China. Then praise God for the eternal freedom he's given us through Jesus Christ. How's that? How's that for a story? True story. Doesn't get any better. Amen. I have another story for you. This is called Memories of a North Korean defector. Something roused 10-year-old Haewon, we will call her Haewon, from her sleep. When she raised up from her sleeping mat and looked around the one-room apartment, her eyes fixed on her grandfather's white hanbok, that's a traditional Korean clothing. It was glowing in the moonlight. His legs were crossed, his eyes were closed, and he was swaying back and forth. How strange, she thought, as she watched his quiet movements. Remember, she's ten years old. That must be something that old people do. Well, it was the early 1960s, more than ten years after Kim Il-sung's communists had taken control of North Korea. Decades would pass before Hae-won would learn the significance of what her grandfather was doing that night. As a young girl, Hae-won struggled to understand the conversations she overheard between her two grandfathers. They frequently used unfamiliar terms like resurrection, second coming, Red Sea, terms her teachers never used at school. Well, I guess they're just old and foolish, she thought. Haywan also remembers puzzling over why her grandfather sometimes left the house without saying where he was going. And she distinctly remembers hearing a recurring argument between her father and grandfather. There is something in the galaxies, her grandfather would insist. But her father's reply was always an emphatic, no. There's nothing. Though she couldn't know it at the time, these mysteries were planting seeds in Haewon's young heart. When Haewon was 16, the secret police barged into her family's small home one night and ransacked the apartment. They looked carefully through all of the books they found, even school books that belonged to Haewon's older brother. She couldn't imagine what they were looking for. 
You can't hide bombs, explosives, or, or weapons inside a book, she thought. This is nonsense. Well, after the police had finished their search, they issued orders for her grandfather's arrest. Instead of taking her 83-year-old grandfather, however, they took her father because he was better able to endure prison. Haywan later learned that about 140 others were arrested at the same time, and her grandfather knew them all. As she watched her father leave the house with the secret police, she worried that she would never see him again. Haywan barely recognized her father when he came to the door six months after his arrest. My father is so skinny, like a skeleton, she thought. Only his eyes looked familiar to her. As enemies of the regime, Haywan's family was exiled to a remote mountainous area. Although her family never spoke of her father's imprisonment, she learned that half of her grandfather's friends were killed after their arrest. Prison had changed her father. Whatever he had experienced and witnessed had shaken him, and he no longer praised the great leader, Kim Il-sung. In the early 1990s, North Korea was plunged into a devastating famine as a result of floods, drought, and economic mismanagement. Four years later, Haewon, by then married with children, attempted to flee North Korea with her family. Her oldest son had already left for China in search of work, and her grandfather and father had passed away years earlier. One cold January evening, Haewon and her family packed as much as they could carry and began the dangerous trek across the frozen Tumen River. But their hopes of a better life in China were quickly dashed when they were caught and sent to a prison camp. Haewon and her family were assigned to different barracks in the camp where they were forced to sit day after day on the hard floor and stare at the other prisoners. Any movement resulted in a beating and they were fed only corn husks. The only chance Haywan had to see her father was when the prisoners were allowed to go outside each day. After he failed to show up for several days, she came to the realization that he had died. Almost half of the prisoners died because of hopelessness, depression, she said. Haywan was released six months after her arrest. I thought I would be sent to some kind of political camp, she said, but to her surprise, she and her surviving family members merely received a warning. We are merciful to you to let you out of prison, so behave yourself, they said. Haywan and her family were exiled to an area far from the Chinese border, but several months after their release, they again attempted to flee the country. This time, their flight across the frozen Tumen River succeeded, and Haywan was reunited with her son, who had relayed a coded message of his whereabouts through a friend. After safely reaching China, Haywan found a job at a restaurant. A Christian co-worker soon invited her to church, where she was overwhelmed by the beauty of the hymns. I didn't know the lyrics, she said, but it tremendously touched my heart just hearing the songs. I wanted to cry. She placed her faith in Christ, and some years later she and her family made their way to South Korea. 
As Hewan read the Bible and learned more about God, she came to understand what she had seen that night when she was uh, 10 years old. Uh, her grandfather had been praying silently while the family slept. The discussions she had overheard between her grandfathers uh, were about the Bible. And the arguments between her grandfather and father were about the existence of the one true God, Hananim. The secret police, she now understood, were looking for Bibles when they ransacked their home. Her grandfather's mysterious meetings were with Christians, and the 140 people arrested were members of her grandfather's house church. Hewan's father, who, despite being an atheist, went to prison for her grandfather's faith, was forever changed by seeing Christians executed for refusing to deny Christ. Hewan hasn't forgotten about her homeland, and through VOM's office in South Korea, she shares the love of Christ today with North Korean defectors in South Korea and across Asia. Although her grandfather kept his faith from the children in order to protect himself and the house church, he planted seeds in her heart that bore fruit decades later. I realized that I came to Christ because of my grandfather's prayers. Amen. Amen. One more thing I'd like to share with you. It's called North Korea, a dangerous work. Now this was an insert. We're going to go a little later today, I think. This was an insert in the newsletter of March 2017. You can Order it yourself and read these things again, and I hope you will. Maybe get several of them and pass them around. Getting the gospel into North Korea. This is for you now. And there are some things that VOM can tell you and some things they can't tell you. Let me tell you the things they can tell you. Um, VOM produces radio broadcasts that reach into North Korea. We train North Korean defectors to read scripture, sing hymns, present Bible lessons, and preach to those inside the country. VOM continues to upgrade broadcast technology to circumvent the government's jamming efforts. And because of the difficulties of reaching this highly restricted nation, we also share the gospel by launching scripture balloons into the country. While this work began decades ago, more recently we've begun using a sophisticated system of hydrogen balloons that carry tiny New Testaments into the country. VOM workers use advanced software to predict weather patterns and choose ideal launch dates and times. They also use GPS technology to predict and track where the balloons land. And I just can't help but say to you that I was a part of one of those operations several years back, many years back, about eight or nine now. VOM's strategy for reaching North Koreans with the gospel includes methods specifically suited to North, both North Korean defectors and those still inside the country. We work inside and outside of North Korea using North Koreans to reach North Koreans. VOM works with several partners that reach out to North Koreans outside the country. These evangelism teams often work in areas hosting North Korean foreign workers. 
They develop relationships with the workers by offering clothing, reading materials, and medicine, things their North Korean overseers don't allow them. VOM workers offer the laborers love and ultimately the hope in Christ. In other situations, VOM works with partners who invite North Koreans into their home or churches, spending days or weeks teaching them about God and the Bible. Through Bible reading, scripture memorization, worship, and acts of service, the believers show North Koreans the truth about Jesus. After their brief introduction to Christianity, the North Koreans return home, sometimes reappearing for more Christian training months or even years later. This kind of work may take years to bear fruit. And then there's another key strategy of VOM, reaching out to North Korean defectors in South Korea. VOM's office in South Korea operates two training programs, Underground Technology and Underground University. And I was very much a part of that many years ago. Underground Technology, which is designed for recent defectors, teaches the basics of Christianity life skills, and character development, while addressing cultural gaps and insecurities of many defectors. Candidates for this program usually come to VOM through referrals or from visits with VOM workers at a resettlement center for North Korean defectors. Then there's another training program, Underground University, UU, designed to prepare mature believers to become missionaries to other North Koreans. UT graduates may choose to go on to UU. Well, now I'm going to tell you what they can't tell you. <laughs> we must be very careful, says VOM, about the information we provide regarding work in North Korea, the most highly restricted nation in which we work. We don't want to compromise the incredible work being carried out both inside and outside the country, work that is helping bring the gospel to North Koreans. During our 50 years of ministry, we have developed a variety of effective methods and partners that enable us to reach North Koreans from diverse backgrounds. Pastor Han, that we talked to you in the last segment, was one such partner. We are able to reveal his role only because he paid the ultimate price. Bibles are being smuggled into the country. Christian literature is making its way into the country. Christians are meeting the needs of North Koreans and sharing the gospel with them. All of these things are happening on a daily basis, but we can't share the details for security reasons. And then they go ahead to thank those who have helped them. And if you'd like to help them, um, this last piece, so much is hidden beneath the surface. There's much more gospel work going on in North Korea than we can talk about. Um, shows you a picture here about a, with a tunnel, and well, I just won't go any farther. Uh, anyway, your partnership with VOM would support all of these different works. I would like you to, if you're interested in such a thing, and I'm not with Voice of the Martyrs. I was, but I am not now, so I'm not um, promoting them over any other group. But while I'm talking about them, let me tell you to go to persecution.com. That's persecution.com. And then put a forward slash and put March 2017. Persecution.com forward slash March 2017. Or you can call. Just call them. 
800-747-0085. Whether it's this group or some other group or your prayers or your money, whatever, please get involved with North Korea. God will bless you for it. I know he will. And check back in with me here on this website from time to time to see what's going on. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun website, sermonaudio.com. Lord willing, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.